This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Monday, November 8th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, elk killed legally in Valley Floor area. Telluride opens applications for temporary winter community housing program, planning for a forest and a mountain weather forecast. The hunter that shot an elk in the Valley Floor area on Saturday took the animal legally. That's according to Colorado Parks and Wildlife Public Information Officer John Livingston. You know, the hunter uh, was able to legally do this kind of by the skin of his teeth. And uh, from our investigation, all we can tell that um, he was guilty of was maybe not knowing kind of the the politics of the area um, so much in that area. But everything that that the hunter did was, was done legally. Livingston says the hunter was a young man from out of state. He had a license to take a bull elk in Game Management Unit 70. That unit includes the U.S. Forest Service land adjacent to the valley floor, also called the Wedge. The hunter used a rifle to kill the animal. The bull elk made its way up there, kind of just into this area of public property, and the hunter was able to get a good shot on it, on the animal. The elk turned around um, and went back down, Toward the valley floor, um, from what our investigation looks like, it went about 20 yards back onto that private property um, where, where it died. Livingston says the hunter contacted the CPW office in Montrose, who contacted the Telluride Marshal's office about the correct method to pack the animal out of the property. Our DWMs, those are district wildlife managers, gave him specific instructions on going down there and packing out the animal, making sure he's taking absolutely as much of that animal out of there as possible because it is near that trail space and how to properly dispose of uh, what remained of the carcass and the guts and stuff like that. I do know that uh, the DWMs gave him very specific instructions on how to carefully handle that given the area um, where this animal was being packed out. The valley floor serves as a breeding and wintering ground for elk in the region. Livingston says the kill will not have an impact on the herd. The bull already bred, the elk population is strong in San Miguel and Dolores counties, and animals have been hunted in the area before, with no impact to the valley floor herd. With the proximity to the valley floor and the potential for recreators, Livingston says all hunters in Colorado must pass hunter education courses, and this hunter obeyed all safety measures and took a safe shot of the animal. He adds there's a lot of land in Colorado that serves a dual purpose for hunting and recreating. You know, forest service land, um, you know, makes up a a lot of acreage across the state of Colorado. Um, Certainly, you know, people who are out recreating during hunting season, we encourage them to wear, you know, blaze orange or, um, you know, fluorescent colors so they can be easily uh, spotted by hunters. According to town of Telluride officials, the town is aware of the incident and looking into whether any local ordinances were violated. U.S. Forest Service hunting regulations prohibit discharging a firearm within 150 yards of a, quote, developed recreation site, a residence, or any place where people are likely to be. Officials are unable to comment on the distance from the shot to the valley floor. Livingston says CPW is in conversation with the town of Telluride to determine how the regulation applies to the piece of land. When it comes to the ethical question of whether to take an animal in a specific location or not, Livingston says that's up to each individual hunter. He says some hunters make the choice not to hunt in the area. Others, he notes, will take the shot.
The town of Telluride is accepting applications for its temporary winter community housing program in Town Park's parking lot. The temporary winter community housing program is for the winter of 2021 and 2022, and it will be taking place in the Town Park parking lot. We've got nine slots available, and the program is intended to assist our locals and is not for recreational purposes. That's Telluride Public Information Officer David Nepsky. There are nine spaces available for residents to live in their trailer, mobile home, RV, or vehicle. The program will run from Wednesday, November 24, 2021 to April 10, 2022. To qualify for the program, applicants must prove employment within the Telluride R1 School District for at least 1,000 hours in the last 12 months, or show secured employment of that or a greater rate. Applicants who work in the town of Telluride limits will be given priority. Remaining spots will be allocated to other qualified applicants. Within the 16-foot by 25-foot area of the premises, the tenant may locate their trailer, mobile home, or recreational vehicle inclusive of all slide-outs, mirrors, etc. connected to the unit. The town is not responsible for any upkeep or maintenance on the home. However, electricity will be provided to each site. There is a maximum of two people per unit unless additional occupants are part of a direct family unit. No more than two domestic animals will be permitted per space. Residents will be required to comply with town park rules. No use of vehicle plumbing or generators, adherence to quiet hours, and outdoor lighting and safety standards. Tenants will be allowed access to 24-hour facilities in Town Park, including the restroom, shower, and dishwashing facilities. Monthly rent for the spaces will be $300. While Nepsky says the town is excited about the winter program, he emphasizes it doesn't see the program as a silver bullet for the regional housing crisis. We have other affordable housing projects going on concurrently with this and that we're really happy this program is going forward along with our other affordable housing programs and that this is not our only affordable housing program. Applications for the temporary winter community housing program are due by noon on Wednesday, November 17th. Applications are available at telluride-co.gov. If there are more than nine applicants for the spaces, the town will hold a drawing to select who will get the space at noon on November 19th. 1983 was quite a year. Ronald Reagan signed a bill designating the third Monday of every January, Martin Luther King Jr. Day. The Thriller music video came out. Carrie Underwood was born. It was also the last time the U.S. Forest Service updated the forest plan for the Grand Mesa and Compagre and Gunnison National Forests. A lot has changed in those decades. It's almost as old as I am. And especially when it comes to both the physical and both the social environment surrounding our forest, right? So we're definitely due for a revised forest plan. That's Megan Eno, Norwood District Ranger for the GMUG, speaking before the San Miguel Board of County Commissioners earlier this fall. That revision is in the works. The GMUG is now accepting comments on a draft plan that will provide guidance for the Forest Service for what Eno expects will be the next 20 to 30 years. A forest plan is a general framework that guides forest staff when they propose projects analyze them, and ultimately implement those activities. The plan, she explains, has four parts. First, desired conditions. And these are aspirational. They show what the objectives and standards that are in the plan should guide us towards. Next, objectives. These are precise, measurable, and time-specific statements about the work that we intend to do. 
over X amount of time, we will achieve the following objective. Finally, standards and guidelines. When we implement our projects, they're the sideboards for doing that. So a standard in general is like a thou shalt not statement. Um, where a guideline, it's still mandatory, but has more flexibility built into it in terms of how we're going to achieve them. Because the plan is meant to last for so long, Eno explains, it doesn't lay out specific projects. Rather, it focuses on bigger picture goals and methods. One area the new plan will help the Forest Service think differently about, she notes, is recreation. In 1983, there were all sorts of recreation um, tools and the ways that people got into the backcountry that we just had could not even contemplate at the time. You know, when you think about over snow travel, um, backcountry skiing, mountain bikes even, a lot of those things we just didn't even have in our mind in that time. So the, I think one of the biggest changes that you'll see in the new forest plan is the way that we look at recreation and accept that it's one of the largest uses on the landscape. And we need to find ways to both manage for that and provide opportunities for that. The draft plan, Eno says, takes into account the spike in outdoor recreation over the two years. The plan, she explains, identifies what it calls high-use recreation corridors. We recognize that in those areas, we're seeing such a high level of recreation that we need to be able to manage those areas to a much higher level than we would the rest of the forest. The plan also outlines increased fuel treatments to reduce fire risk throughout the forest. We recognize that we have a higher level of need to manage the landscape for wildfire mitigation and we want to be able to pave the way in order to do that work. The Forest Service has extended its comment period for the GMUG Forest Plan update. Members of the community can see the full plan for review on the Forest Service website. Comments are due by November 26th. To submit comments, email them to gmugforestplan at usda.gov or call 970-847-6698. 2020 was the year to make San Miguel count. Census takers knocked on doors and helped people fill out surveys to determine who lives in the county and where. With that process completed, San Miguel County is redrawing its commissioner districts based on the 2020 data. Every 10 years, the county reapportions the district to balance them based on population data. The whole county votes for each commissioner seat, so the new district won't affect who can cast a ballot, but they will shape who can run for each district's seat. Existing commissioners can serve out their term even if they end up in a different district after redistricting. The Board of County Commissioners is required to hold a public hearing regarding the redistricting. The public hearing was recently rescheduled due to an error in public noticing. The hearing to discuss the redrawing will now take place on Wednesday, November 24th. The county plans to adopt new redistricting plans a few weeks later on December 15th. There are three different options for the commissioners and public to consider. They're available online at sanmiguelcountyco.gov slash redistricting2021. Written comments can also be sent to bocc at sanmiguelcountyco.gov. With Thanksgiving just over two weeks away and the season of buying things nearly upon us, Telluride and Mountain Village are stepping up with their annual holiday traditions. Telluride's Noel Night will take place on Wednesday, December 8th. 
The Telluride Ski and Snowboard Club will kick off the night with the lighting of the ski tree in Elks Park at dusk. Shops and businesses around town will also offer discounts and shopping opportunities. That same weekend on Saturday, December 11th and Sunday, December 12th, Mountain Village will transform into the North Pole for its holiday prelude. There will be events for the whole family, including train rides, sitting with Santa, ice skating, sledding, and shopping galore. If you ask Outside Magazine, Natarita is the place to be. Natarita, and specifically Camp V, a glamping retreat just out of town, is one of the top travel destinations for 2022. According to Outside Magazine, Camp V is a, quote, adventurous take on pre-Zuckerberg Burning Man. The magazine also points to West End hikes as top-notch. Natarita joins the ranks of Sedona, Kruger National Park in South Africa, various locations across Alaska, northern Patagonia, and Mount Everest Base Camp as the best trips to take in 2022. With the infrastructure deal done, Senator Michael Bennett wants to see Congress pass the Build Back Better package next. KVNF's Gavin Dahl asked him about his new legislation to establish a minimum tax rate for the nation's biggest corporations and his plan to increase investment in forestry and conservation to protect watersheds and address wildfire risk. Plus, Senator Bennett's newest bill would address what he calls the most important issue left out of those packages in Congress, supporting rural hospitals. You're the chair of the Ag Committee's Forestry, Conservation and Climate Subcommittee. What have you learned about the need to achieve more outdoor restoration? Well, we desperately need it. For 10 years in Colorado, everywhere I've been, but particularly on the West Slope, I've heard over and over again about the underinvestment in our national forests. I've heard about local communities that are having to invest precious dollars that they want to invest in other places doing the work that the federal government is supposed to do because of these national forests. And as a result of this, we are now making a historic, the, the largest investment ever in our national forests and the most historic investment that we've made in land conservation uh, since uh, the Dust Bowl. And I think those two things together are going to be a very, very welcome change in American agriculture and, and in Colorado, where we will finally have the chance to begin to protect our watersheds, our vital resources that every farm and ranch in Colorado and every community in Colorado depends on for their livelihood and also the opportunity to be able to, to give that farm and ranch to the next generation of Coloradans. My guest is Michael Bennett, who represents Colorado in the United States Senate. You've introduced plenty of legislation this year. One area you focused on recently is funding some of the projects Congress is working on. And one way to do that is by preventing big corporations from paying nothing in federal taxes. Can you talk about your corporate profits minimum tax bill? Yeah, thanks for that. There's some of America's largest corporations, about 200 of them, that make more than a billion dollars in profit. And some of those pay nothing in taxes or almost nothing in taxes. And so what we're proposing is that there ought to be an alternative minimum corporate tax of 15% just to make sure that people aren't getting away with nothing. You know, Amazon is a good example of a company that doesn't pay anything in taxes and should pay something in taxes. That's certainly what most American people believe. And we were able to negotiate a deal with 
Elizabeth Warren, who's a senator from Massachusetts, and Angus King, an independent from Maine. And that proposal now has the support of every Democrat from the most conservative to the the most liberal. And uh, I think it's long overdue. Before we go, let me ask you about your legislation to help rural hospitals upgrade aging facilities. How would your Hospital Revitalization Act work? Our rural hospitals have struggled. And boy, in the first last year and a half with COVID, uh, it's been brutal. And my office has worked with rural hospital leaders in Colorado to write this new legislation, which would provide $17 billion. That's a lot of money, an investment that could be as much as $40 million per hospital to, uh, to upgrade their infrastructure, expand capacity so they can better serve their communities and create jobs. So while the bipartisan infrastructure plan and Build Back America plan does a lot of important stuff in rural America, they've left out our critical health facilities and hospitals like Montrose, like Delta, like the Memorial Hospital and Craig, all would have the potential of being able to have the benefit of this. And you know, the last time we made a huge investment in rural hospitals, was almost 50 years ago. It was a bill called the Hill-Burton Act. This investment would be the most significant investment since then. And I think it's one that is long overdue. You know, if we want to have a rural America, we've got to have rural hospitals. You can't have one without the other. And I think this investment will give us the chance to do it. Senator Michael Bennett, thanks for speaking with me. Thanks so much for having me. Great to see you. For KVNF and Rocky Mountain Community Radio, I'm Gavin Dahl. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly clear skies tonight with a low around freezing. Tuesday, there is a 30% chance of snow showers with increasing clouds and a high near 50 degrees. Tuesday night, expect snow showers with a low around 30. One to three inches of snow accumulation is possible. Wednesday calls for mostly sunny skies with a high around 40 degrees. Wednesday night should be mostly clear with a low around 25. This has been the news for Monday, November 8th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.